When you speak to everyone, you speak to no one. This quote from Seth Godin was a total catalyst that completely transformed my approach to growing my own business and how I help others to do the same. Now, it makes sense as consultants and coaches who have a ton of skills, certifications, frameworks, methodologies, that we think that the path to our success is to either offer everything in the kitchen sink or narrow down our range of services. And as a result, what happens is what we talked about in last week's episode, which is people don't get it when we talk and write about what we do. So what's the alternative? What's a better way to connect with our clients? Welcome to the Enough Already podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Jordan. In every episode, we talk about finding the courage to turn your unique strengths, perspective, and experience into a profitable, purpose-driven consulting or coaching business. Today, we're talking about ideal client archetypes, what they are, why you need one, and what will hold you back from creating one. Now, I promised last week that I would be talking today about the five things you need to know about your ideal client, but I decided to add in this episode because it's so important that I lay the groundwork with you and build the case as to why it's essential to deeply understand who your business serves and how it's the key to getting into flow. So without further ado, let's dive in. What is an ideal client archetype? So let me start by talking about what happens when you don't have an ideal client archetype. So have you ever been told to just go out there and get clients? So here's the problem. Here's what happens. It forces these marketing instincts to kick in. So we get out there and we start selling our mission, you know, something like, oh, I help ignite leadership and organizational potential, or we might be selling something like I help create healthy organizations or something more aspirational. Or we're focused on selling our methodology, I have my five-step approach to X, Y, and Z, or the dreaded, we feel like we have to sell ourselves. So what happens is we get hit or miss results, which messes with our fears that, oh my gosh, nobody's going to buy. I feel like a fraud. Oh my God, I suck at marketing. I'm even worse at sales. And then we start to believe that marketing in itself is just not in alignment with our values. And all of these mindset things really jacks up our marketing results, right? We create content that we put out there and it's crickets. We have a list, but nobody's really opening our emails. We don't have enough people in the pipeline. We have marketing that just, that leads to no ROI. And then the worst, the business results, feast or famine. Nobody likes feast or famine or that chase for the smaller dollar projects and the trading time for dollars trap. So here's the solution. And I'm going to keep emphasizing the solution. It's all about first who, then what? Build your business on who you serve. And it's for this reason that everything I do with my clients, every aspect of my business, when we start working on their branding and their positioning and their messaging, it begins with developing their ideal client archetype. It's the same thing that I do also when we work on our clients' visual brands, their website design, and especially their website copy. The ideal client archetype is the foundation of your brand. So let's talk about what is an ideal client archetype. It's both a description and narrative about the single type of person your business is focused on serving. So what it's not, it's not a list of everyone that you've worked with in the past. It's not just anyone who happens to call you or anyone willing to hire a consultant or coach. I know, I know you can help a ton of people, but your ideal client archetype represents the person you are so motivated to help that 
You would love to work with them. You get amazing results for them and with them. And they also love you. And they're the kind of people that when you put your fees in front of them, they're like, yeah, absolutely, because they know your worth. They are your brand lovers, yes? So that's why it's so important to have an ideal client archetype because if you are serving people that you love, you have a business that you love, you don't even feel like you're working. You're definitely in flow from that standpoint. Your ideal client archetype will include the descriptive elements that could be included in what's commonly called a client persona or avatar. And these are very important elements. So there are things like the demographics and the types of things that you might see on the surface. For example, if you're a consultant, it's important that you understand that you don't work with organizations. You are, an organization's not hiring you, a specific person in the organization is going to hire you. A specific person in the organization is likely to look for you. I know that you hope that the CEO is gonna do that, but in my experience in over almost 30 years in organizational consulting, I've never seen a CEO get online saying, hmm, I'd like to find a consultant. They're gonna usually turn to somebody else in their executive team. That person is your likely ideal client. When I was an organization development consultant, 99% of the time, the person who looked for me and brought me into the organization was a senior HR leader. So yes, for sure, I work with the entire executive team and I work with the CEO, the president, but the person who was my client who signed my proposal and cut my checks was the VP of HR. Now in smaller companies, that may or may not be the case based on how the organization is set up. But the reality is, is if you know who you're serving, you can really be much more precise and targeted. And for me personally, what happened for me is once I really saw that I'm not trying to leapfrog over HR, but I'm gonna work with HR, I was able to dramatically increase my per client fees because I was able to create offers where I was able to simultaneously provide my normal assessment and other consulting services, as well as mentorship to the HR leader and their team. This targeting is super important for coaches. Let's say you're a career coach. It's super important to differentiate if your ideal client is someone like my 20-year-old daughter, Hannah, who's entering the workforce very soon in a professional capacity for her first time versus, let's say, like a senior leader who's ready to take on senior executive positions. So those are descriptive elements of an ideal client archetype. But what makes an ideal client archetype an archetype versus a persona is the narrative, the story, the rich detail about the inner world of this ideal client, their motivations, their drivers, their energy, their approach to life. I want you to think about the ideal client like as you would to the best stories. The best and most compelling stories are character-centric. They are focused on the interesting character who wants something and has challenges that are getting in the way of what they want. So these characters are called the hero or the heroine of the story. The same goes for great businesses. Your client is the hero or heroine of your business and they have something that they want and they have problems getting it, but you are the consultant or coach to this problem. So your ideal client is a tool that you use to make your client the hero or heroine so you can figure out how to position yourself as the mentor and guide in their story, empowering them to overcome their problems and get what they want and what they need. So that is what an ideal client archetype is. So now you know what it is, let's talk about why you need one. So another way of quoting 
Seth Godin is from Marie Forleo, who says in her unique way, if you're talking to everyone, you're talking to no one. Let's talk about the tactical reasons why you need an ideal client archetype. You'll streamline your marketing time and money. This is important, especially if you're not a big fan of marketing. So think about it like fishing. If you know where to fish and what bait to use, you're going to be more effective, right? So let's say you want to run some Facebook ads. How are you going to target your ads? How do you even know if you should be on Facebook running ads in the first place? An ideal client archetype will answer that question for you. A big thing. So when I work with my copywriter and we work with our clients on their copy, the first thing that we do is make sure that that ideal client archetype is clear. And so if you're doing your copy on your own or you're hiring out, copy will become a lot easier and faster when you know who you're talking to because you know what messages they're going to want to hear. So when you think about who you're talking to, you'll be able to be much more much more empathetic, much more understanding. One of the things that I suggest to my clients once we finish their ideal client archetype is put it up somewhere. Maybe draw a picture that represents that person. And every time you're going to write an email, every time you're going to write a blog post, pull out this archetype so that you know who you're talking to rather than you feel like you're writing to the void. Another big thing, you'll create more relevant products and services and frame them in such a way that they are irresistible to the people who you want to buy them. When I pivoted my consulting business to a coaching and mentoring business, I had an idea of what I wanted people to buy from me, which was my courses. I developed a handful of them and that's what I wanted to sell. The problem, that's not what people wanted to buy. <laughs> they wanted my personalized support. So I kind of tried negotiating with my audience by adding in some community membership to my courses, which kind of helped and it was helpful and was good experience. But what really made the difference was simply just to listen to my audience. They wanted personalized support to get to clarity and confidence in their business model and brand. And they hate marketing, they hate copywriting, they're sick of the DIYs. Hence thus, now I've created these end-to-end -end services. Now I still have courses, but they're the supporting players, not the lead. The key here is the more you listen to what people say they want and what they want to buy, the better off you're going to be in creating products and services that they want to buy. Another thing that will dramatically help you is if you have your ideal client archetype, you're definitely going to reduce your anxiety about marketing and putting yourself out there because you're going to feel the need in the person that you want to serve. It's going to be all about I, I understand their problems, that empathy, building that empathy muscle will help you get out of your own head and say, you know what, I'm just going to put this podcast out here. I'm going to write this blog post. I'm going to go to the networking event. I want to meet these people because I really care about them. And so the igniting your passion for them is a great antidote to the fear that you have about marketing. Another big thing that you'll get from creating your ideal client archetype is you're going to start the right business. You're going to get it launched faster. You're going to accelerate your results. But the big thing here is it's going to be the right business because your ideal client dictates what is your business model. 
If you want to see more inspiration about how important this is, head on over to my website at www.betsyjordan.com and Jordan's with a Y, not an A, dot com slash testimonials. And you'll hear story after story about the importance of not wasting time or money on the wrong business and how understanding your ideal client and the problem that you're trying to help them solve and goal the goal that they're trying to achieve and how that helps. So those are all the tactical reasons. Let's talk about the strategic reason why you need one. Your brand and your related brand perception is all about the value that you create for your ideal clients as defined by them. So the heart of your brand promise isn't about how amazing your methodology is or what unique assessments you offer. It's about how you convert your client's challenges into something of value as they define it. So it's super important that you know what the value in your value proposition is. That's what your brand promise is. You make a promise and you consistently deliver it, but you need to make a promise that means something. And the bigger the promise, the bigger the value. That's a big way that you establish that premium brand positioning. But here's something else that you might not have thought about. And I just wanted to bring this up because we're consultants and coaches. And here's the thing that I think is really special about what we do. And we could try to sell our tools, but what's really special about consultants and coaches in our business model is the relationships that we create with our clients. So I'm going to share with you a little bit of a poem that one of my OD colleagues at Disney gave me years ago that was written by his professor, David Jamison, who wrote about the unique partnership that people like us forge with our clients. And he says this, when it's all said and done, you are the instrument. When all the tools and techniques have run their course, you were still the conduit. When you engage with the system, half of the coupling is you. Now there's more to this poem is great. You should definitely look it up. But what's really important about what we're talking about here today is half the coupling is you, but the other half is your ideal client. So you really want to understand how you are going to be the instrument to their change and you need to understand what their change is. So that's why you need an ideal client archetype. Are you convinced yet? Nope. No worries. Let's talk about this last part of what might hold you back. Now, there's a lot of common objections I get around creating an ideal client archetype. So here's one. Betsy, I'm a consultant and coach. I can help anybody who needs expert advice. And here's what I would say. Yes, you can, but you're not going to be the perfect fit for every client situation and need. And you really don't want to help everyone. If you want to love your business, it begins with loving your clients. So this is why it's so important is you can do great work with with only a handful of people. You can do good work with a lot of people. I'm going to give you that. But you can do great work with a certain amount of people with a certain kind of problem. I'll never forget when I was first starting my business years and years ago. This is when I was leaving Disney and I was starting my consulting practice. I remember talking to one of my clients there. And there's so many things that I followed were good advice. I I had good techniques, but I didn't always follow the good advice. I wish I would have really focused here. But one of my favorite clients and why I named my business Accelera in the first place was this. She said, you do really well when you work with our high achieving executives and you could take an existing fire and you can make it burn brighter and stronger. 
And she said, but what you don't do as well, it's not to say you're not good at it at all, but you're not as good, is you're not really as good as when we go deeper in the organization or we're dealing with struggling leaders. And there's a lot of insight in what she said there is that she said, I really work with these high achievers, which are often found in the larger companies because there's a lot of complexity that goes involved with those kind of larger companies. And I ignored that advice. I went for the scarcity and I wound up serving everybody. And it wasn't until I wound up with a large company with a lot of these high achieving executives that I was able to really get in my groove from a consulting business standpoint. Here's another objection I get. This is a biggie. If I choose an ideal client, won't I be leaving money and opportunity all over the table? And here's the fact. I believe strongly if you don't choose an ideal client, you will be losing money and opportunity on the table in the future. It is a big reason why hit or miss marketing results on the conversion challenges. We talk about that. That is an issue. But the other thing that is going to become a challenge at some point is it's really hard to scale if you're trying to support a lot of different kinds of clients. I know this to be true from my organization development background, and I know this to be true as a business mentor. The whole idea here is that if you focus on certain people and who you can help, you can expand products and services and offer more things. So for example, one of the clients I'm working with right now is somebody who is a, a consultant to startup companies who are looking to what he would say is scale and sale. But what he's also looking at is working in these emerging markets like crypto. And what's really interesting as we got into his branding is that as we uncovered the commonalities between all the clients, there's a lot of other things that he could offer that he never really thought about. Like for example, these business owners have a lot of vision, but they don't really have a lot of management skills. So he can create a community because they have something in common around the crypto space. So that could be another whole area. It's another whole business model and revenue generator. You know, so there's a lot of opportunities when you get really clear on who you can help. But let's talk about what's the objection underneath the objections. What's the objective underneath the uh, these surfacey objections to developing an ideal client archetype? I know as consultants and coaches who have a lot of experience working in companies in or help companies now, we all know how important it is that a company invests time and money in choosing their target a customer and doing consumer research. We've led the strategy sessions, right? We've given the advice around it. So what gives? What's the deal for us? Why is it so hard for us to embrace this for our, our own businesses? So let me pose a few theories and just see if they resonate. Just listen and see if it resonates. Number one, scarcity fear. It's not about logically leaving money on the table. It's the scarcity money fears that cause us to discount what we already know about the size of the global market that modern business allows us to reach. It makes us feel like we must be all things to all people or accept whatever comes our way. So scarcity fear could be the, the objection under the objections. Another big one is just simply another, another little dance with imposter syndrome and fears of being seen. I have a couple podcast episodes. You could definitely tune in and listen more about imposter syndrome and, and the fears of being seen. These are big deals for us consultants and coaches because we are the business, we are the brand. But when you identify with an ideal client and start talking to them, it's harder to, harder to do that because the exposure, 
versus when you hide behind your methodology or your ideas. So the vulnerability brings up all of this and the fears about you know, putting yourself out there as a person and getting rejected. Another reason why we might resist developing our ideal client archetype is making money doing what we love just simply feels too good to be true. So we need to build this safe business. So whenever I ask these questions of my clients, especially when our, we're in the brand positioning and messaging program, we start talking about this. And I could tell that there's another passion business that somebody's really trying to create versus the one that they think is safe. I've mentioned Josh and Christy on this show several times, and I have their story on my website. I definitely encourage you to check it out. But I think what's interesting with them is that they wanted to build a business around going to corporate versus the business that they actually have, which is more focused on working with, with couples and uh, marriage counseling and marriage coaching that they really love. And they actually have a podcast around it because it feels safer. We have this myth that there's more money in corporate. There isn't more money. A lot of people ask me like, hey, how do I break into larger companies? Break into larger companies if it's relevant to your skill sets and relevant to your passions, but don't do it just because you think that there's more money there because everybody has money. Everybody parts with money. All business models have the potential to be successful as long as you use the smart principles, right? The only difference is with the larger corporations is it's just how the person who's hiring you, what, what their relationship is with the money that they're giving you. As long as you can put a good business case together, it's not coming out of their own personal salary. It's coming out of the business budget. So that's where it feels like it's easier and you have to develop different strategies when you're working with an individual who's trying to decide like, do I feed the babies or I'd pay you? But lots of money is to be made in lots of different kinds of business models. And so that's a myth. And then finally, the number four, what I think might be behind the objections is this whole idea is if I land the plane on the ideal client versus, you know, just circling and circling the runway, then I'm actually on the hook for my business and what I say I want. You know, if I stay confused and maybe I just won't have to be accountable, you know, at least even accountable to myself or on what I say I want. I know I experience this quite a bit as I've been trying to push myself into my thought leadership and and start to do more speaking is I remember being in a thought leadership academy group that speaking your brand put out and it's like I'm so confused about my message I'm so confused what's my core message what's my core story and after a while when I kept saying this and I kept looking at my notes I'm like I'm saying the same thing I believe that what's inside of you should be manifest in the world this is the same message the reason why it goes back to my core story that i'm consistently saying over and over again but i'm like oh i'm confused and if i stay confused you know what i don't have to do i don't have to i don't have to go out there and look for speaking gigs now do i because it's like oh i don't really know what it is yet so i am raising my hand and say i do this as well we all have this resistance to different parts of the process. So if your resistance is to the ideal client archetype and the idea of doing it, just really think about if you have any of these internal challenges that might be keeping you from moving forward and what actions could you take to overcome it and what kind of support can you get? Because I believe that what you wanna do is what you're meant to do. What you're yearning to create in your heart is what you should do. And the person that you want to serve is right in front of you. And so you just need to start seeing that person and just delving a little bit more, getting out of your own head and getting into their heads. So let's recap what we talked about today. Number one, what's an ideal client archetype? 
And basically, it's a description and a narrative about the person that your consulting and coaching business exists to serve. That's bottom line. That's what it is. Why do you need one? It's because the core of your business, the core of your brand, your message, your confidence is all about what you do to help the hero or heroine, which is your ideal client, solve the problem that you solve through your advice, through your guidance, your products, your services, and the essence of who you are. So before you can write copy, design a website, craft your perfect offer, you have to identify not just who, but with the person you're intending to help and why working with you is the obvious no-brainer choice. And why do we resist creating one? In a nutshell, that lovely cocktail of fears, fears of not having what it takes, scarcity, money, success, failure, being seen, and more. So let's take action. Here's the thing. I know you have an ideal client, even if you can't see it right now. So why don't we do this little exercise? Try this out. Make a list of everything, or let me say this again. Make a list of everyone you've done amazing work with to date. Think about clients, former bosses, colleagues, volunteer work. Think about all these people. Make a list and just look through the common thread and say, what do these people have in common? What do the demographics have in common? What are their personalities, their problems? What do they have in common? Just get to that common thread. And then another thing you can do is just get curious when people reach out to you and ask you for help. Ask them more questions. Hey, what's going on in your life, your career, your business? What made you think of me? What, what makes you look for a solution? And when they share about it, don't ask them about like, hey, what is it about my coaching that you really want to learn more about? Or what is it about my consulting? Ask them more about them. What is the problem that they're dealing with? Ask them a little bit more about what that problem's costing them. Why does getting a solution matter to them? What are they really ultimately trying to create? Just get curious every single time someone calls you up. And another thing, just as an action, speaking of ideal clients, let me be explicit about mine because I'm going to tell you all about it because I've created my own ideal client archetype and I'm really passionate about my ideal client archetype. I'm really passionate about the person that I want to serve through my business. And my ideal client is a purpose-driven consultant and coach who wants to grow a high profit, high impact business, but struggles with packaging what they want to do and their strengths and their emerging passions into a business model and brand and offers that they believe will make them money, which is causing them to feel stuck and stalled. So that's who I help. I'm super passionate about it. And I've created a solution for these people. I've created a, a a team, an agency, a branding agency that offers end-to-end services that will help my clients get clear and confident about who they are, what they offer, who their ideal clients are, how do they stand out in the marketplace, and then goes from there and turns it into website copy and a website design and an online presence and content and so much more so that they can get out there and do the coaching and consulting that they love so that my team could do what we love. And together, I think we could change the world, right? So that's what I'm all about. So if you're interested in working with a team like mine, definitely head on over to my website. You can find out about my end-to-end services at www.betsyjordan.com slash services or www.betsyjordan.com slash schedule. So that's it for this session. 
Um, so for next week, I'll be delivering on my promise to share with you those five things that you need to know about your ideal client. So definitely hit subscribe now and get ready for more actionable guidance on what you need to do to build a client-centric, high-profit consulting or coaching business. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in. If today's episode lit a fire in you, please rate and review enough already on Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. And if you're looking for your next step, visit me on my website at BetsyJordan.com and it's Betsy Jordan with a Y and you'll learn all about our end-to-end services that are custom designed to accelerate your success. Don't wait, start today.